Good day, everybody. Thank you all very much for taking the time and, and coming along. What a significant time. Amen? And what an honor to be here. You know, as, as I was sitting there, Andrew's word last week, the, the blood, some of you heard me share on that. That was such a powerful, powerful, powerful uh, word for me. I was so convicted when I was preaching it in Edinburgh, I could hardly get the words out of my mouth. I was shaking in my shoes, Andrew. Just the blood of Jesus. I mean, the responsibility of talking about the blood of our Savior just took me back a little bit. Do you know I feel the same today? Isn't that funny? I'm just feeling the same today. It's okay for us to get a little bit solemn sometimes. Amen? Not all of your life-changing decisions are going to be made with a hoopla hurrah. Oh yeah. Some of the most life-changing, serious decisions that you never go back from, zip. And you don't tell a soul. True or false? Absolutely true. And I feel today is such a moment. Forgive me if you've heard this before, but I think it's relevant. I married my first wife, and as soon as I got married, I didn't want to be married. Been there? No, you're not going to say amen to that, are you? <laughs> amen! So I was a really bad husband. I, I was a bad husband for two years. I just, I didn't, I was, I loved her, but I didn't love marriage. Two different things. I didn't like the institution. It took, I felt it took away my freedom, you know. And this one day I was being bad. And I just said to Jeanette, I'm going for a walk. And she turned to me and she very quietly and very graciously said these words. Mike, the devil wants me to disrespect you, but I'm not going to do it. Don't women know how to cut you down? <laughs> so I took, now I say that for a reason, because I went on a walk, a long walk. How do you go back home after that, right? And I went home, and this is Jeanette's testimony. I was never the same. I changed. I changed. On that walk, I said, she, she's telling the truth. God, forgive me for being selfish and wicked. Help me to be a good husband. In Jesus' name. And it was probably about seven or eight years later that without my knowledge, she stood up to give a testimony and she said, he is an excellent husband to me. Amen. And Mary, could you just do this? And my, my, my wife says the same today. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I say that for a reason. Listen, I, I went out for the walk. I came back. I didn't say anything. There was no altar call. There was no public profession. Who's with us for the future? 
Amen. How many people said that over the years? Huh? And then don't follow through. Sometimes it's a little bit deeper than that. Amen. And I think today is a day like that for this church. For every one of you. A solemn day in some ways. A serious day in some ways. Maybe your mom or dad said to you what my mom or dad said to me. They'd tell you, don't do that, and then I do it. Don't do that, and then I do it. Don't do that. I'm not going to tell you again. Have you heard that? <clears throat> when Neil Brady was bringing that word this morning, and then we've had the same word three times. Hmm. For me, it, it's convicting, you see, because once God's being so gracious, so kind, to prompt Neil, to prompt Andrew, to prompt Stephen, to say to you that it's time to move forward, you better be careful. That's not a joke. You better be careful. Because I can almost hear God saying, I'm not going to tell you again. You get it. It's, a, it's an honor that God three times, right? Threefold declarations are always important. And I think we've had one here today. So please, realize the moment. Realize the solemnity in one sense of this moment. And prepare for the future. I'm going to read to you just briefly. Just, you don't need to turn to it. I'll read it. It's just, it's just one scripture, one verse. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children will pass through. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to move forward. I was born into a very good family, a Christian family, Roman Catholics actually, very good parents, I must say, coming from a Catholic tradition. My brother's a priest in the Vatican. They take their faiths very seriously in my family. I was the first person to be saved, to be born again. And, you know, the news reached home, Michael's going to get baptized. <laughs> And I went home, and I loved my parents, and my parents loved me. And this was the first bust-up, the first serious rift in our family, with me, I mean. And my mother got me on my own, and it still hurts me even to repeat it, but she got me on my own. And she said, Michael, what are you doing? Your grandfather was a Catholic. Your father's a Catholic. What are you doing? What's happened to you? And I can remember my painful response to her. Mom, I love you, but, but, my loyalty will not be to you on this issue. It's more important than that. Sorry, Mom. I remember I said to her, you said to me that I was a good son. Yes, you did, remember? But not on this issue. I will not be loyal or faithful. Mom, you know what that's called? It's called a false loyalty. It's a false loyalty. You see, in my mom's heart, as I'm sure we all understand, she was being pulled back 
by tradition, being pulled back by what she felt was right. I need to be faithful to the past, to the history, to the tradition, to my friends, to my family. And I was saying, no, mom, I'm not going back. I'm not going back, I'm going forward, right? It took five years before my parents began to melt. And thank God he changed that entire situation. Amen? And sometimes it can feel right when we're pulled back, as it did for her. But often it's not, guys. It's not. And looking back can be a dangerous thing. A dangerous thing. In Scripture, when Scripture tells us not to look back, it's not a, it's not a good idea, right? It's a command. Not just a good idea. It's critical. And I'll tell you this, it separates those, it separates those who start well from those who finish well. Yeah, this ability, this awareness. Every day in the UK, we have Remembrance Day, November the 11th, when we do look back, lest we forget, right? Well, Jesus, Jesus, amazingly, in the New Testament, he gives us two things to remember. This is astonishing. Two things he calls remembrance to. Number one, do this in remembrance of me, right? Communion. It's installed as an incredibly important principle. What's the second thing to remember? Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Wow. What on earth is so important about Lot's wife? She looked back. She looked back when she should have been looking forward, having a casual attitude to the command of God, not realizing the seriousness of the moment. And by the way, everybody listen to this one. The angel had warned her three times. Oh yeah. Escape, run, flee, don't look back. Three warnings, threefold declaration. But she took it so casually, even Lot was lingering. So no, be careful, guys. Be careful in this moment here, now in this room. Be careful. Just be careful. I worked in a hospital, and there was a hydrotherapy pool in the hospital. And a friend of mine, two friends of mine, my, the lifeguard was a friend called Steve. And this girl, Irish girl, couldn't swim, Siobhan. So she got this rubber ring, and the pool was empty. And Steve told me this story. She comes in, she gets the rubber ring, and she says, I just want to get used to the water. So she starts floating around in the rubber ring, you see, and Steve's sitting there reading the newspaper. But the little stopper goes, and, and the rubber ring starts to go down, and she's, and I remember what Steve said. He said, funny thing, I was looking out of the side of my eye and I thought, she's sinking, but she can't be because she's not crying out. She, she, she would call me and the water rises and he said, I'm sure she's sinking, but no, she's just... And Steve looked, threw his paper down, got her out of the pool, and he said, you're, he said, yes, I was thinking. Well, why didn't you cry out? 
Do you know what her answer was? I didn't like to. I didn't like to. It's kind of a serious situation, girl. I remember that story when I was thinking about today and about us. You see, do you know what I'm saying to you? This session is called Don't Look Back. Well, do you know what I'm not saying to you? I'm not saying, please, guys, don't look back. I'm saying, don't look back. Are you with me? It's serious. It's serious. Take it seriously. The angel said, escape from the past. Run from the city. Focus on your future. Don't linger. And I think a casual attitude to this causes more damage than we realize. Jesus tells you, remember, do this in remembrance of me. But he also says, remember Lot's wife. So we should do that. Even if it's negative, it teaches us what not to do. So let me momentarily draw out what she did. She, number one, she had security in the past. She must have done. That's her town, right? They're her friends. And we all, like my mom, we're tied up with the security of our past. We have to be willing to let that go. Maybe she couldn't see anything better. This is all I know. I think she had status in the past. In Sodom and Gomorrah. She was somebody. Maybe that's why the Bible doesn't tell us her name. Huh? She was somebody there. And people do go back. Because people offered them something. There I'm going to be somebody. But in the future there's no guarantee for me. Status. But ultimately I think there was probably something in Sodom and Gomorrah that she liked. And that was a wicked place. So she is the principal, famous, infamous character in Scripture that warns us about not looking back. But there's another character not in Scripture. I think I have a photo here which the guys will bring up on the screen in one moment. We all know Roger Bannister. He famously ran the four-minute mile in 1946. And his name is just synonymous with that occasion. However, two months after Bannister ran that four-minute mile, there was another guy called John Landy. And he ran the four-minute mile in a quicker time. He ran it in three minutes and 58 seconds. So all over the world, people said, we should put these two guys together. The first two people to run the four-minute mile. So they did. And Bannister and Landy met. And off they went. Now remember... Landy is quicker, he's faster. And the race started, and so he was. Landy was running, he was ahead in the first minute. He was ahead in the second minute. He was ahead in the third minute. And then Landy did one thing. He became conscious of the competition. Con more conscious of the enemy than his goal. Do you know, if you watch the video, it's very grainy and very old, but it's fascinating because he hardly even gets his head turned. Believe it or not, I've run two half marathons. <laughs> and I can tell you from experience, as soon as you look back, you decelerate. That's what happens. 
you lose your pace. You can't do it. You just can't do it. But Landy just looked over his left shoulder, just like that. And Bannister seized the moment to pass him on the right. Wow. What a lesson. Lot's wife looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. John Landy looked back, and they turned him into a bronze statue. <laughs> Do you know what this teaches us? Focus on the goal, not the competition. Focus on the goal, not the enemy. Focus on your God, not the enemy. This teaches us two big lessons. Focus on your goal and secondly, finish the race. Finish the race. Complete the race. Turn not to the left or to the right. Guys, warning, warning. I don't care if you've been saved for 40 years. Some people fall in the beginning, in the first minute. Some people fall in the second minute. And some people fall at the end, like him. So I don't know where you are, but do not take it casually. I mean, have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? One of those famous Christian books of all time. And what an ending to that book. Companion and Christian, two characters. They travel for years through life, over their hurdles, through the storms, through every hurdle. These two men, companion and Christian. Guess what? They get to the gates of heaven. Wow. And Christian presumes we're going in. But companion stops. I said, well, we're going in, aren't we? A companion says, no, I'm not going in. And he begins to turn back. Amazing. And the final line in the book is this. Christian, as he enters heaven, Christian says this. And so I came to understand that there is a road to hell even from the very gate of heaven. <sighs> Scary. This is a gate today. It's a crossover. It's a moment. It's a decision. Prepare yourself for it. Make the right decision. There are two negative examples, many positive examples, thank God. Jesus himself. What do we learn from Jesus? Because he did not turn back. Well, we learn this, no matter what the season you're in, remember Jesus had a season of anonymity. He didn't turn back, he pressed on. He had a season where he was incredibly popular, right? Everybody loved him, but he kept on going. <laughs> he had a season of rejection, and then persecution, and torture, but he didn't turn back. None of those seasons, none of those moments caused him to change. And by the way, he still hasn't had his final season, which is vindication. We're not there yet. have to wait for the you know, culmination of all things. God's not in a hurry. So we're not even there yet. But Jesus is a great example of moving through the issues of life. Another great example of not turning back is Moses. 
you know the different phases of Moses' life? And here we are as a church destiny. Just think, Andrew, Sue, think of the, think of the eras you've been through. Think of the history, the incarnations that this church has had. And maybe some of you, your role, your function within it. And think how that has changed. Moses is a great example of this. Remember how he started his life? He was a basket case. Put in the basket, pushed off, <laughs> pushed off down the river. And that's got to affect your psychology. What happens next? Adoption. Adoption. Can I just say, abandonment and adoption don't have anything in common. We're not finished. Then he becomes a prince. Well, hang on a minute. Those three things are all completely different. Totally different. The incarnation is different. The expression is different. The life is different. The favor is different. And then he becomes a murderer. Now he's in exile. Now he's hiding. But in all of this, God was with him, right? God was there in all of these seasons. He became a farmer, settled down, and that's where most of the change took place. But ultimately, he finished the race. He didn't go back, and he became the mightiest deliverer that the Old Testament see. Amen. Those incarnations changed. And guys, we've been saying this morning, the next incarnation of destiny, which we all have a part to play, may have no resemblance to the past. Any more than being abandoned or adopted or a prince or a murderer or a refugee or a farmer. Any more than that did with Moses. And you've got to be up for that. I guess we're all born again. But are we willing to begin again? Moses was. Moses was willing on each and every one of those occasions to begin again. Imagine that. To start over again. It's hard getting back up, right? Getting back on the horse. But that's where we find ourselves. The most significant, important moment for Moses and for me is the, the lockdown. When he was in Midian for 40 years. That's the time of the change. He went in there, but something in his heart was still forward. There was still a flicker. God can do it, you know. God can do it. I know I messed up, but God can finish this. Provided I don't turn back. The work was done in him. Praise God for that example. You know, you know when you go to the airport, do you ever be in an airlock? You go in the airport, you, there's two sets of automatic doors. And the first one open, you step inside, you have to stop. Right? And as you stop, it closes behind you. The future doesn't open. Right? You can't go forward until that thing closes. So there's a requirement of you to almost step in, stop, wait, make your mind up. And in that little moment, whether it's Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, people go back, you know, and they don't go forward. They don't give God the time to do the work within them, and the world, the church in the world, has just been through the greatest lockdown, the greatest Midian we've ever seen for these years. And God most certainly has done a mighty work, and is still doing a work, changing us, preparing us to go forward. That's what's happened. 
ultimately, God is in it. And I hope you can see your future. The last example, Paul, he's the best example of moving forward. Look at Paul. Paul just doesn't tell me, I've been asking myself, how do I do this? How do we do this? And Paul tells us how and why. Paul says this, how do I go forward? By intentionally forgetting what lies behind, reaching for the prize for which Christ has saved me, and pressing. And this is the Landy story. When you run like that, you do actually have to press. You have to push. You push yourself. You propel yourself. Forgetting intentionally what lies behind me, reaching for the goal and pressing. Now, listen, guys, that's fine. That's the how we do it. Why? <laughs> Why? Why should you, as a leader within this church, why should you commit to this? And Paul gives the answer there also. He says, because I have not yet apprehended. I have not yet obtained. I have not yet become everything that Christ intended me to be. Hallelujah. He gives us not just the how, but he gives us the why. This is why I'm doing it. Do I have a word? That's the question you should ask yourself. Do I have a prophetic word teaching? Fine. But is there a specific, the difference between like, teaching and prophecy? Teaching applies to every situation. Prophecy is specific. They're two different things. Completely different things. So let me bring you a prophecy for this specific situation and for every one of you. Because that's what I sought God for this week. Thank you, Jesus. What was it? Wednesday. Thank you, Jesus, for those insights. But none of these, for me, are the specific. So I waited. <laughs> no, that's not the specific. That's teaching, not the word. I need the word, God. I need the specific for you, every one of you. And this is what I got. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people. So if you're sitting there wondering what Andrew and Sue are going to do next, you're on the wrong train of thought. I think we already know that. That's loud and clear. Tell the people. Tell the people. You. God didn't make it specific. Moses was already there, already committed. But it was the people, as Steve was sharing this morning. And I feel that's the word for you, to tell you move forward that we as one unit work together, press in together to obtain that which we have not yet obtained, to become that which we have not yet become. You're not done yet. Amen. We're not done yet. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. As this whole world winds up, look at the chaos out there that Scripture promises that that end to, you know, the glory on the latter house will be greater than the glory on the former. And today, today you find yourself 
in a very, very, very privileged, very privileged seat just to be here. That's, that's how I feel. I'm frightened. Not frightened of you. <laughs> no, not frightened of you at all. I'm frightened of God. Just like with the blood last week. It scares me. It scares me because I realize he's here. I'm not going to tell you again. I told you three times now. Make your mind up. Focus. And press forward. Let me close with this one little point which is incredibly important. Just, I pray God gives you the revelation of your role. Do you know, guys, your individual future is connected to the body. Hello? Hello? You're indiv if you're sitting there thinking, well, what about me? You're part of this. And if you would only get that and completely commit, God will do what he wants to do with you. You will become whatever he has, you know, planned and predestined for you to be. But you've got to see it as part of the whole. See yourself as part of the church, the body, and this expression of it. And that's what this day is about. But if you want to run around the room and shout, hoop and holler and dance on the tables, go ahead. No problem. But can we do something deeper than that? From this day on, I'm in. I'm in. And I'm not going to look back in Jesus' name. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to press on and I'm going to apprehend that for which Christ apprehended me. Every one of you. Go and tell the people to press on. That's what he said to Moses. And I feel that's what God has said to me to say to you. Move forward. Move forward as Steve was saying, as a unit, as a company of God's people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved and press on. Do your part. You're, you're highly honored to be invited by God to have any part. Amen? But let's each of us do our part in this specific body today yeah, I'll take my place in Jesus' name. No turning back. No turning back. Father, I pray that we as a company of your people, as a family of your people, as an expression of your kingdom, that as one man, we would unite. Unite behind this vision. Unite behind, thank you for our leaders. We unite behind our leaders as they did behind Moses. And as we press forward together, each one of us will grow and become the expression, the, the, the reason you made us, the reason you've created us and saved us and sent us into this world. We will see that self-actualized in each and every case, each and every leader in this room. So I pray for a deep and meaningful response and commitment as we as a church go forward. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.